Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. Good morning, everybody. Yes, I took off the Mr. Rogers sweater. Yes, it was very hot. I knew you guys were thinking it. I'm just going to say it, you know. It's so fun. You know, this time of year, geese are starting to migrate. Praise God. Get them out of here. Did you guys know that Garth cleans up all their left-behind parts and pieces every single week for you guys? He just loves to do it. I don't know why. I ask him, why do you do this? He's like, keeps the carpet cleaner. (laughs) They're getting out of here. You guys ever notice that they fly in a V, though? You ever wonder why they do that? I mean, there's like the whole lift thing and the, the goose at the front like has to break the air current. And then you guys know what I'm talking about? But there's always like one side that's like longer. Do you guys know why one side's longer than the other? There's more geese on that side. Yeah. I love that because I've told that joke for like too long. And um, people always get so serious. They're like, well, it's because. And it's like, no, it's just, there's just more on that side. That's why. Um, anyway, Jesus, I thank you that uh, you gave us your word so that we could study, so that we could learn, so that we could be prepared and equipped, so that we could know what's, what your character is like, so we could know what's in your heart, so that we could know how to live and how to follow you. And so, King Jesus, we just want to say thank you. You truly are pretty amazing. We love you. Amen. Aren't you grateful for Jesus? You know, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but we're in a series called Christ as King. The reason we titled this sermon series Christ is King and not Christ the King is because it's easy to forget that Jesus actually is king. He is, like right now. He has been since he went and took the keys from Satan. He, he has defeated death. Every authority, because there are other authorities, are under his feet. He is the supreme authority and ruler over all things. He is. No ands, ifs. You could question it all day. You could say, well, that's not true, but it is true. It actually is true. People will choose to live like Christ is not king, but it doesn't mean that he isn't king because he is. He is king forever. And so we are going through talking about four realms of authority. You guys remember this? I did this in pre-service with all of our volunteers, and they actually knew them. I was like, how did you guys know them? And I forgot they were, on, they were on the screen behind me. I was like, oh, my gosh. You guys remember? That's awesome. So let's see. Without putting them up, let's see if we can get them, okay? <laughs> oh, shoot. Come on, guys. That's right. I didn't tell them I was going to do that. So listen, we've got here, we've got self, right? That's a domain of authority. It's a realm of authority that needs to come under the authority of Jesus. Then you've got The church needs to come under the realm of Christ's authority and remain under his authority. We've got family, which is another realm of authority that needs to submit 
under Christ's authority. And then we have civil life. Now, we're going to get to this next week, but we're not trying to teach you that the church's job is to go dominate all the other spheres of authority and be large and in charge. Trust me, it doesn't turn out very well. But we do need to answer the question, what does the church look like, act like, smell like, sound like when it's under the authority of King Jesus? When the church is under the authority of Jesus, what does the church do? But before we can even get to that, we need to talk about We need to have a chat. That's why I have a coffee mug. We're going to have a little family chat. Does that sound good? I'm actually serious. and You guys are giggling. No. But the thing is, we need to have a discussion around what even is, what is church? What is the kingdom? Questions we're going to be looking at today and next week are, what is the church and what does God expect from us? And then secondarily, what is the kingdom and how does the kingdom advance? And you might be thinking, I don't know. Well, that's good. I'm glad you're here because we're going to talk about it today. So under the idea of church, you've got you to look at it this way. Like, how many of you guys think the church is the body of Christ? Raise your hands. Okay, great. How many of you guys think the church is the gathering of local believers? Raise your hands. Oh, you already raised your hand. You can't vote twice. How many of you think the church is faith the building? Raise your hands. I mean, it is a church, isn't it? Right? So you could see why there's a little bit of confusion because we have, in our culture today, we have a lot of different definitions for the word, like what the, the meaning of the word church is. Now, that's okay. And we're probably never going to get rid of the terminology and the meanings we've attached to certain words in Christianity today. So I don't want you to get like, you don't need to go ham on people who, who talk about the church building as the church. And you're like, that's not the church. The church is the people. You know, okay. You know that little nursery rhyme, here's the church and here's the people, like the steeple or whatever. I don't remember how it goes. Anyone, anybody want to come demonstrate? But it's that, that thing where we did was kids in Sunday school. So even, like, think about that. That seems really, like, innocent, right? But what are we teaching people? We're teaching people that the church is a building that has people in it. You're probably like, where are you going with this? This sounds scary. The church is not the building. And the church is not limited to just us either. The church, small c church, is a local gathering of called out ones. A local gathering of ecclesia. The big c church is the global church. It's every person who has decided to follow Jesus in every geographical place. And yes, that even means the church that you drive by, that's that denomination that you don't like because you grew up there and you got disciplined or whatever. It means 
Everybody is a part of the global family, the Big C Church. And you might say to me, well, Mark, what about Catholics? Catholics. How many Catholics do we have in here? Former Catholics? Yeah, we got, you know. Here's the deal. You call on the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. So also I'm pretty sure Jesus said things like, who are you? Do not judge another person's servant. Right? You can look at fruit and choose like, I'm not going to partner with that person because they believe, you know, X, Y, Z. So I'm, but I'm not going to hate them or try to ostracize them because that is like trying to cut off your own arm because they are actually a part of the body of Christ. And being a part of the body of Christ doesn't mean that we all think the same. Do you realize that? Like, it doesn't mean we all think the same about everything. In fact, that would be an incredibly boring world if everybody thought like me. Do you know why? Because you'd be changing topics in your brain every three and a half seconds. No one would be able to have a conversation with anyone for a long period of time. So the church is everyone everywhere. That's the big C church. Now, here's the thing. You guys know what families are. And I look at it like this. You've got the human race. It's all humanity everywhere. But God chose in his infinite wisdom to put people in smaller groups, family groups, if you will. And that is the role that the local church expression plays inside of the global church expression. Family groups. You know, I served in missions for a long time, as I was sharing with you at the time when we took the offering and led some teams and stuff, and it was always a lot of fun. And I found that part of the most, one of the most important things I could do inside of my teams was to create a family dynamic. To create, not just like I'm the papa, you know, I'm a 20-year-old dad, and you guys are all two years or old, younger than me, or some of you 10 years older than me. That's not what I mean, but that we have a familial identity, but that at the same time, we remember that we are connected to a larger family. And that is the same for us. When we understand that we are set in a local expression on purpose, God will give us an identity as a church, which is something that he is solidifying more and more each week for us. And we begin to see how we as the local church, part of the global church, help advance his kingdom. And God sets us in families in the, and called them the local church expression. And so here's the question. What is the kingdom of God? You don't have to answer. I'll tell you that this is the most simple way I know how to explain it. And that is that it is God's ways and his will being expressed on the earth. Are God's ways and his will being expressed on the earth right now? Fully? I'll add that in there. No. That's why Jesus told his disciples and those who are listening to pray for his kingdom to come and his will to be done because it was not yet being done or here fully yet. And that is part of our job now today as well is to pray and to live out the kingdom, to pray for the kingdom to come and his will to be done. 
Because, friends, there are many places where injustice is occurring on the earth that needs justice, godly kingdom justice, to be established. The Bible describes a kingdom like this as well. There's many, many passages that talk about the kingdom of God is like, and that's in part because the kingdom of God is hard to describe in a tangible kind of way. But Jesus told those who were standing around with his disciples and said to them, the kingdom of God, this is from Matthew 13, is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. Can I make a confession to you? Until this morning, I was always envisioning those little packets of instant dry yeast. You guys know what I'm talking about? That never seem to exactly measure like a teaspoon or two, whatever it's supposed to be. I don't even know. That's not what Jesus is talking about. He's not talking about going and getting Zimmerman's yeast or whatever that stuff is and adding it to some warm water and then putting it in the... No, that's not what he's talking about. He's actually... Anybody made sourdough starter? That's what he's talking about. It is a lump that has been previously fermented and transformed into something different that then is taken and put into the new lump. It has previously been transformed, like we are transformed, and then transplanted and put into what has yet to be transformed so that that can then be transformed. Here's the tricky thing, though. You don't see physically with your eyes the bacteria. Some of you may have really good vision, but I don't see it. But you do see the effect of it taking place. Do you follow what I'm saying? I think Jesus was trying to say something here. He was saying, you can't just, you could, but you shouldn't just allow yourself to be transformed and then be good with that. You're like, look at all the bubbles. Wow. If you're a sourdough person, you know why I'm saying that. They always get fascinated by the bubbles. Look at all that fruit. Wow. I just got to keep it in a jar in the fridge and hide it away until it goes bad. That's a great idea. Yeast, this kind of yeast that's working in the sourdough starter is meant to be mixed into the new dough. It is meant to be taken from where it is and put somewhere else to bring about and spread that transformation. That is part of how the kingdom of God works. That's one of many ways that Jesus describes the kingdom. I could nerd out on sourdough all day because it's really fascinating. But we're going to move on. Does that sound good? So what, the question really for today's message is, what does God expect from us? What does he want? What does he want from his church? And I'm going to give you four ideas. It's not a comprehensive list, but I don't think we can digest more than four points on a Sunday morning anyway. But if you want to read, there's lots of scriptures you can dive into about the kingdom and about church but I'm going to give you four things that I believe God wants from his church. Are you guys ready? God wants submission to Jesus' authority. Submission to Jesus' authority. Now, hear me out. Before you look at the person next to you and say, ooh, submission, that sounds so gross. Submission is voluntary. If it's not voluntary, it's actually abuse. You ever think about that? If someone holds power over another person and they force them 
It's abuse. It's, it's an abuse of power. Let's call it that. It's an abuse of authority. And the reason we don't like this word submission is because we've been raised in an era where the Bible itself was used to control and manipulate people. You think about it, that's part of why 400 years ago, they didn't want people to read the Bible for themselves. Like, that's illegal. What are you doing? We're the ones who know, and it's because they wanted to add to it, to use it, to, to be producing fear and exercising control over the people that were supposed to be under their care. So think of it like this. Jesus has a mission. He has orders for us to follow. He has ways that he wants us to follow. And we need to voluntarily submit under his mission. Submission. Submission. And is an act of your will. You see, God expects wholeheartedly that we wholeheartedly participate in the vision and mission of Jesus. No passivity allowed. If he didn't want this, why would Jesus teach us to pray like people who care about and are engaged in his vision and mission? The thing is, we need to recognize that we can be a part of his kingdom and be rebels. <laughs> I don't know, like, maybe some of you have that kid in your family that's just a rebel. I have one, but I'm not going to name them because I'll just leave them guessing because that's loving. You can be a part of God's family and not do what he asks you to do. You know why? Because he's not going to force you to obey him. He's not going to force us to be the church that he's called us to be. It's up to us to step in and choose that with an act of our will as an act of worship to exalt his name and glorify him. There's an old story. I'm sure it's just a fake story, but it's kind of fun. It goes like this, that there was a guy walking down the street in Barcelona, or as they say in Spain, Barcelona. Walking down the street, and he sees three construction workers. I know it sounds like a joke, but it's not. He sees three guys working. He asks the first guy, what are you doing? And he says, I'm laying bricks. Comes up to the second guy, a little ways down. Hey, what are you doing? I'm building a wall. Yeah, it's just a construction site. No visible anything to really distinguish what they're building. He goes to the third guy and says, how about you? What are you building? What are you working on? And he looks up into the sky and he says, I'm building a cathedral. He's doing the same thing everybody else is doing, working with bricks and mortar and everything else. But he understood the bigger picture of what he was a part of and what he was doing. And I would propose that it is easy for us, especially in our day-to-day -day lives with raising kids or going to school, figuring out how to pay bills and manage life and dealing with conflict and everything else, that it's easy to lose the big picture of what we're doing and what we're a part of. So I want to encourage you guys that Jesus wants us to be actively engaged in his vision and mission, but that very thing, his vision and mission to see global transformation as, as the entire world knows him and comes into contact with the love of the Father and are transformed. 
He wants to see that happen across the whole world. It's been prophesied that it will happen across the whole world. He wants us to engage with that and keep it in the forefronts of our minds. So I want to encourage you to remind yourself and others about the big picture. Can you guys do that for me? Raise your hand. Put your other hand on a Bible. No, I'm just kidding. You guys are so quick to obey today. Thank you. But listen, sometimes you need to beat yourself and say, hey, this is temporary. This doesn't matter in the long run. I'll tell you what does matter, his kingdom being built. And then it is up to you to pray and press in with God and say, how do you want me engaged with this? What are your marching orders today or this week or this year? Because here's the deal, guys. The pinnacle of your Christian life is not to become a pastor. Can I get an amen or a praise the Lord or thank you, Jesus? I don't know. But I have met guys that have spent 20-something years pursuing being in vocational ministry and never getting there because really God wanted them crushing business and bringing his kingdom there. So don't forget, you're not all supposed to be pastors. You're supposed to be obedient. Do you hear what I'm saying? Now, you might say, well, how am I supposed to know what I'm supposed to do? Well, a couple things. You could read the Bible. The other thing you can do is you can pray and ask God. And you can ask people who know you really well, what do you see? What's the gift? What's the gift of grace God's put on me that I need to be bringing to the, to the table here? None of us are allowed to sit on the bleachers or on the bench. No bench warmers. God wants you engaged. It is, it is his expectation and his desire that you engage with Jesus' mission and vision. Now, it is your responsibility to discern with the Lord what that is. And not just what that is, but how he wants you to walk it out. Maybe he wants you to leave aside X so that you can focus on Z. Maybe he wants you to leave aside Z so you can focus on Y. I don't know, but that is up to you to discern with your group that you walk with who know you and love you and can call you up into and pray for you as you discover what it is that God would have you to do. Now, before you start thinking about, you know, starting a homeless shelter or spending 40 hours a week caring for orphans in Uganda or something like that, remember there are much simpler, actionable things you can do today, this week. And God might have you in that lump of dough that you're in because he wants to see transformation happen there. And he hasn't put you over here. He's put you right there, right where you are. So God expects that of us to be submitted to him voluntarily by our choice every day. The second thing that I believe that God expects from us is to live a life aimed at loving service. That starts within your family, it moves into your local church gathering where you have that local expression of the body of believers. It looks, you look for ways to serve in your community and be the hands and feet of Jesus wherever it is that you go motivated by love. 
Ephesians 5, chapter 1 says this. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Listen, if you don't know where to serve, I want to encourage you just to try something. I dare you. Lauren Cunningham, who is the founder of Youth of the Mission, said this over and over and over again when we were in missions. He said, you don't find your calling by searching for it or just through prayer alone, but you, you actually find it through serving other people. What does that mean? Try it on for size. Do you guys know that we have a thriving kids ministry, a thriving youth ministry here? We got a, a thriving young adults ministry here. We got a thriving ministry to each category of people in different stages of life. And all of those things require people to just come and help out. And so for you, your goal could be to just, maybe you don't know what you like or don't like and how you could serve in the church, but you could just try something on for size. Kids ministry especially, it's so important. Do you know that most people give their lives to the Lord between the ages of 4 and 14 years old? Did you know that? And 98% of people who give their lives to Christ, who choose to follow him, do so before the age of 18. That's not a made-up statistic like most statistics are. At least 99% of them are. <laughs> right? That is, that is a known consistent statistic that if you have, if you've met someone who gave their life to Christ after the age of 18, that's like, that would be considered borderline miraculous because that just doesn't happen in our culture today. Most, almost all give their lives to Christ before the age of 18. And so if I could encourage you, if you're not serving somewhere, go serve amongst the youth. They need you. They may pretend like they don't because they have YouTube and TikTok and Instagram and Snapchat and I don't even know what other things they're doing where they can go find advice, but nothing is quite like having somebody physically there for you to say, it's going to be all right. I know that's tough and I'm here. Let's pray. I want to pray for you. I'm going to ask you a question. Have you thought about it from this side? Like TikTok and YouTube can't do that for our youth, but we can with the Spirit of Christ. But do it with the motive in your heart of love. Like, do it because you love the kids. If you don't like young people, don't do that. Okay? Go make coffee or something like that, okay? If you don't like young people or, or if you don't have the love of the Father in your heart for them, then don't do that. But before you dismiss that opportunity, I would say, before you throw it aside, pray for the young people in our culture today. Because as you pray for them to have an encounter with God, you'll start to get an encounter for yourself with the heart of God for those young people. Because you, you're not going to do it with your own love. None of us can love teenagers that well. Let's be honest, you know. But God's eye, man, he's looking at that young generation, that, that spiritually and physically fatherless, motherless generation. And I think he's calling us to do something about that. There are thousands of kids in this community 
that I believe God wants to have an encounter with and it's going to be through you and me. So what are we going to do? Are we going to submit to his mission? Are we going to step up to the plate and try something on for size? You know, as a church, we're here to equip you to do ministry. Did you know that? If you didn't know that, you just got tricked. It's actually our job to equip you to do the work of ministry according to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and onward. One of the ways that we're doing that actually is we have groups and classes set up for you. One of those is growth track. If you have not done growth track, if you, if you can, sign up for it and do it. It's happening in October and it happens every month except during the summer. You literally will be equipped. You'll understand our vision and mission of the church why we're here, what we feel called to. And not only that, we'll do a profile assessment on you to really discern whether or not you're crazy or not. No, I'm just kidding. What kind of gifts you have? What, what are the gifts of God that he's given to you to be able to use to facilitate kingdom transformation in the lives of others? Because sometimes that's hard to see for yourself, right? And so if you want to jump into growth track, you can totally do that. And... Another thing we have is we've got, for instance, a very poignant discussion around the homosexual and transgender movement today. We have a, a whole class that equips you to know how to lovingly engage with the community that has a lot of confusion and distortion in their thinking. They're not supposed to be judged and thrown away. They're supposed to be engaged with lovingly with truth and care. You follow what I'm saying? If you were deceived, would you want to be thrown away? Human beings are not disposable. Maybe they're just not in the family of God yet, and so they don't realize. Maybe they just don't know. Maybe they have deep-seated pain, hurt, wounds that are motivating and driving them in a certain direction. You don't know, but your goal is to reach out in love. So that's another opportunity. You could sign up for that if you wanted to to be trained and equipped on how to lovingly engage instead of ignore, run away, or cast stones. You follow what I'm saying? Same thing with all of our small groups. We want you in small groups so you can have discussions about things that matter so that you can work out your faith and metabolize the things that God has given you by working it out together with others in a family unit, inside of this family unit. unit. So the third thing that, that God wants and expects from us as the church is this. This one's a tough one, so I'm going to take a drink of water. He wants us to submit to one another, to be unified. You see, unity was prophesied in Zechariah, man, he literally speaks it out, and I see it. I see the possibility of it happening today. It says this, And the Lord will be king over all the earth, and on that day the Lord will be one, and his name will be one. Amen. Jesus prayed for unity in John 17, verse 22. He says this, That glory, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them, even as you loved me. 
being a missions guy, I think about this sometimes. I'm like, why, why is the world still not reached? Do you realize that there are 56,000 Jesus worshipers in the world for every one unreached people group? I'm skipping ahead a couple of weeks, but you have to forgive me for that. There are thousands of people groups that have never even heard one word about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there are 56,000 Christians for every one group. What if we could mobilize $1 from every Christian every year to just fund missions activity in one particular group? What if we could engage with the heart of God and realize that it isn't just about you? Before we can get there, though, I believe the call is to be unified. Paul challenges us that unity is not something you manufacture. Unity is a gift that God gives, and it's something that we have to steward. This is all sneak a preach in and of itself that we could go into about ways we destroy unity and ways we guard and build unity, but that's another sermon for another day. But Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 through 7 says this, Therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, as a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace has been given to each one of us according to to the measure of Christ's gift. Friends, unity is an imperative, and it's a gift from God for us. If I could, I would read the entire book of Ephesians to you right now. We don't have time to do it, but if you want some homework this week, I want to encourage you to prayerfully read from chapter 1 all the way through chapter 6, because in Ephesians, we find the foundation of why the church exists from chapter 2 through chapter 3. And from chapter 4 to chapter 5, we see how to maintain the church and what God wants the church to be about. It's not something we can invent on our own. It's already here in the Bible. But in Ephesians chapter 2, it says this, starting in verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of the commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man. In place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and he preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, 
You are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you, plural, are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. This building is not the church. Did I say this in this service? I forget. Our church, you know, we describe it the church. Our church is the church with a bridge. People are like, oh, that's your church. Or we come and we do church. I'm having church right now. No, church is the global body of believers and locally expressed in gatherings like this and everything we do every week. Do you know you can't leave church? You are the church. Did you know that God doesn't live in this house? Did you know that? He doesn't live here. This just happens to be where we call everybody to gather because there's enough seats so we don't get tired when the preacher goes long. Why are you laughing? We are the church. And I don't know if you guys realize this, but when you, when you accuse or point fingers or slander other churches or other denominations for how they do things or what they think or what they believe, do you realize that it's like literally slicing your own body? Do we actually believe what the Bible says that we are called to be in unity, not just with the people you like or the ones that are easy to be in unity with, because like if you go to a worship concert at Red Rocks Amphitheater or you, maybe you went to the Rockies Faith Day and you got to worship together with all these thousands of believers from all these different churches and you're all worshiping together and you're like, wow, feel the unity. That's not real unity. That's not what God's talking about. That's not what was prophesied about. That's not what Paul's warning us to guard. He's talking about unity when it's tough and you don't agree with someone, that you actually have the humility, like Christ, Philippians chapter 2, to step down and take the lower place and consider someone else more valuable than yourself. To, con to consider your rightness not something to be held on to for the sake of being right. Because I don't know if you realize this, you can be right and be wrong in your rightness because of how your rightness treats you to lead or to treat other people. It leads you to treat other people in a poor way. God is calling us to be unified. So I want to encourage you in the area of unity, one of the biggest ways we destroy unity is we judge one another and we judge other churches and we judge folks. What if we flipped that around and said, blessings and prayers over them, over their ministries, over their impact with kids, with youth, in the city, whatever it might be. Whenever we drive by a church building where churches gather, that we would speak life and blessing instead of judgment and curses. What if we did that? I tell you what, if you were to do that, you would be acting like Christ. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm, I'm not saying if a uh, if you have a relationship with someone who's in a different church and they believe something that's contrary to the word of God, by all means, through the influence of your relationship, go have some conflict. 
I love having conflict. I love challenging people's way of thinking about something and it's healthy to do through the avenue of relationship. If you don't have relationship and you feel like you need to correct someone, go ask some questions. Go figure out why they think what they think. Build a little capital there. Earn the right to be heard through serving in a loving way. That's part of how you maintain unity. You, you don't maintain unity by ignoring the things that are off. You actually can maintain unity through conflict. Do you know that? How many conflict lovers? A few of you like-minded folks. I see that hand, hallelujah. Listen, conflict is necessary to bring about peace. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Not the peacekeepers, the peacemakers. Sometimes you got to go make peace by having conflict. Some of you need to go have conflict with someone you know and love. Some of you need to have conflict with your spouse. Some of you need to have conflict with your pastor. Or not me, <laughs> Pastor Jason, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I appreciate your sense of humor this morning because... I believe God is calling us to be the church that he wants us to be. We can't get there without unity. We can't get there without looking to serve, motivated by love. We can't get there and do what he wants us to do if we're not submitted to him. If we're not under his authority. Now tell you what, we also can't get there if we hold on to a mentality that Christianity is just about me. Christianity is not just about you. You have been saved and redeemed and brought in and adopted into God's family. You have been transformed by the power working through the Holy Spirit in your life. You are being transformed continually as you encounter the power of God. And it is not for you or me to keep. Aren't you guys tired of keeping it to yourself? Aren't you guys tired of playing the game, of just trying to look better, feel better, I don't know what, I don't know what motivates you to come into a gathering like this, but it isn't just for you. It isn't just for you and for me. The truth is that God has given us the gift of relationship with himself. And he absolutely expects us to share that with the world around us. You see this, this is the truth about God that I wanna to bring to your attention today. God is interested not only in getting you saved, he is deeply interested and always will be interested in making his ways known to the earth. You see, he sets us in families to accomplish this and this is one of the reasons that the gospel is good news. God takes interest in people and anything and everything that affects people, which cheat code, that's everything. God isn't just interested in things of the soul, things of the spirit. He is interested in everything that affects human life here on earth. He actually cares about it. 
Scripture tells us very clearly that God wants impartial justice. He wants efficient hygiene systems. He wants quality education. He wants good ethical business practices. He wants good, healthy government that serves the community. He wants whole, healthy families. He wants responsible care. Yes, even for the planet. He wants those things worked out in a kingdom way through you and through me because we are his body on this earth. But we believed a lie that reared its ugly head in the 17th century again, and that is that there is such a thing as a sacred and secular split. There are things that are holy and godly and sacred, and then there are other things like ministry work. I mean, excuse me, did I say that wrong? Yeah, holy, godly, and sacred like doing ministry and praying in a monastery and just studying your Bible but then you got to go out and you got to go out into that secular environment and just survive and grind out until Jesus comes back. Because there's the question that goes around in the church that says, aren't these world systems so beyond repair that we're just better off to get as many people into the church building and church community as possible and then wait it out and let all those things meet their eventual judgment? I believe the Bible teaches us that we are to actively engage. We are actively to pursue establishing his kingdom on the earth. As a local church body, it is an imperative that we engage. We can't just sit back and wait around. He wants your participation. He wants your trusting obedience. He wants your creativity he wants your time spent at work with your family at school. He wants your time, yes, even when you're waiting in line in the Starbucks line, which, was, which is so long sometimes. You got a lot of time to pray while you're thinking about what you're gonna order over there. God wants every moment of your life. And when you choose to give it to him in an act of trust and worship, it really honors him that you remind yourself that there is no sacred secular. Everywhere you go, you are establishing the holiness of the kingdom of God. Why? Because you are that leaven that goes into the bread. You have the kingdom in you. And everywhere you go, you establish it. Jesus taught us that. Whatever he touched, instead of being defiled himself, it, it, that unclean thing was made clean. And that's our role and our job. So I'd love it if you guys would stand with me. I'm gonna pray for us. And I don't know what you heard this morning from the Holy Spirit, what peace stuck out to you, but I wanna encourage you to be praying this week and looking at, a, at the book of Ephesians and asking God, how does he want you to engage? Because next week, we're gonna be looking at how does the kingdom advance? Because it needs to move out of these four walls, church. The church needs to go outside of the walls of this building. Do you understand? And God is going to have each of us participate in some special way. So just hold out your hands with me. Jesus, we worship you and we say thank you. God, I ask that you would minister your heart to us. That you'd teach us, that you'd guide us, that you'd take us deeper, God. And that we would know the love of the Father 
in ways we've never known it before and in ways that motivate and transform us to go and love the world around us that you have called us to. Everywhere we go, without finding fault, without being judgmental, but loving aggressively to see your kingdom come on this earth. So fill us afresh as we close with worship in Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you'd like to watch a service live online, you can join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. at live.faith.church. For everything else, visit faith.church. That's faith.church.